What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today we're gonna creature size! And a one, and two, and move those hooves, and move those body segments. Come on, I wanna see your tentacles sweating! We're gonna see some of the most impressive animal athletic feats. Woodcocks love to boogie, dung beetles are gymnasts, bats do crunches every time they pee. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, are dolphins jerks? So I know everyone's feeling a little cramped and stir-crazy, and it's hard to exercise. Gyms are closed because they're cesspools of sweat and body fluids. It's hard to jog with masks on, although please do wear masks, joggers. If I have to do another barrel roll out of the way of a panting jogger, I swear I'm going to start going outside in a giant hamster ball. But to inspire you to invent your own exercise routine, today we'll be exploring some of the sickest stunts that Mother Nature brings. Cowabunga, backwards baseball hat, skateboards, dabs. Behind every funky and unbelievable animal stunt is an even more unbelievable story. So, joining me today is comedian, filmmaker, and podcast host of You Can Tell Me Anything and my friend, Teresa Lee. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a fun one. It is about movement, dances, weird stunts, parkour, things that animals do. And I think it's, uh, I've been trying to remain somewhat active in quarantine. And so I've been like looking at aerobics videos and I feel like (laughs) the biggest dork because I know like the people on the aerobics video already look goofy, and I know I look even more goofy trying to do it. <laughs> I think that's the point, though, right? I mean, I feel like that. I've always, I've never understood when people try to pick people up at the gym. To me, right. I'm like, 
That's like going into an artist studio and trying to buy a painting half painted. I'm like, yeah, I'm a work exactly. in progress. Don't, don't you, disturb you get the me. process. You get yeah. me. I'm, I'm a half painted masterpiece. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think this self humiliation does actually burn calories. Like the more humiliated uh-huh. you are, the more blood flow like to your cheeks as you're blushing out of humiliation, like the more your heart's pumping. It's good for you. I've tried to do, I've tried to like teach myself dances from K-pop videos. It's very fun. <laughs> and it's kind of just like a way since I'm not taking class or doing anything. And I'm very lazy when it comes to like yoga or anything like that, that yeah. I'm active while like I'm putting my brain into a different mode where I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to learn, but actually it's active. So that's how I get my workout. But I oh, almost great. learned a whole dance and I, th- I was feeling confident because I hadn't, I don't have a mirror. So I, I hadn't seen myself and I was like, I feel like I got it. So then Uh I recorded myself on my webcam just to see. And then I was like immediate humiliation. I was like, never dance again. It's just like, it's not what you want. Like, you know, they practice for days, weeks to get there. And then you watch it. You're like, I got it. You're like, no, you don't. When they say (laughs) dance like nobody's watching, that includes yourself. Like, you don't want to see your own dance. Well, you should always dance like everybody's watching and you're very good. But um, that's, yeah, but that's how you think. But then in reality, it's like, don't show this to anybody. I dance like everyone's watching and frowning at me. But, you know, we all have our own (laughs) styles. So speaking of dancing, I want to talk about some animals who have some truly wonderful dance moves. So have you seen, there's this uh, viral video of a woodcock doing a little kind of like, swiggity dance sort of like bobbing back and forth it looks really funky and cute that's not photoshopped it looks no. I mean, it's not edited no nope. wow i mean i think that the they may have added some funky music into it i don't think that's from nature no but, but just the way they're all synced up it's yeah. like <laughs> the babies are like learning how to groove exactly so what Teresa's watching and i'll, I'll provide this in the show notes obviously but it is a woodcock bird dancing with, I think it's her chicks, so little baby mm-hmm. woodcocks, and they're kind of, it's almost like, what kind of dance move is that? They're like, sort of like, bounce, <laughs> like uh, bouncing back and forth, sort of shimmying. I'm not, it's a I'm not like a, a West Side Story a little bit, like, like oh, nice, well, yeah. Not. Well, like, if they had little, like, if they mm-hmm. had fingers, like I would bob. imagine them snapping, yeah, like bobbing, yeah. it's very, very jazzy. So let me let me tell you a little bit about these woodcocks and why they're dancing in such a funky way. So woodcocks are a group of medium-sized bird species found all over the world. They have long needle-like beaks and brown mottled feathers that allow them to camouflage. If you like it's kind of, they're sort of like a chunkier version of a sandpiper. You know, they're, they're a little, they're like a much rounder, meatier version of a sandpiper, if you know what a sandpiper looks like. So hmm. the American woodcock, which is, I believe this video is of an American woodcock, is also known as the timber doodle, the bog sucker, <laughs> the fiddle squeak, the, the mud bog sucker, the, <laughs> a bog sucker, wow. a hokum poke, and a Labrador twister. You know... I feel like I'm getting trolled. I don't believe I don't believe that these are all nicknames. I think someone just edited like the wiki or edited the dictionary and it was like, yeah, I'm just going to call them a bog sucker, but nobody uh, calls them that. I think I'm getting trolled here. Did you know Shakespeare also invented a lot of bird names? Um, that's little little known fact about Shakespeare. No, these all sound like made up Shakespeare <laughs> insults. Exactly. Fie, you bog sucker. 
Yeah. <laughs> a fiddle squeak upon both your families. <laughs> this is a but hokum poke I shan't be back. That's not. <laughs> so these are found in the eastern half of the US. They're usually found along young growth forests, shorelines, mudflats, and other coastal habitats. They feed on insects hidden in soft soil or sand. Or worms. They do love worms. So they do this bobbing, rocking motion to coax the worms to wriggle so they can find them and eat them. So we've mm. actually talked about worm fiddling before on the show. And worm fiddling is a technique that both humans and animals use to vibrate the ground to trick mm. worms into moving towards the surface. So when the ground vibrates, the worms think it's either rain or a mole. Both things can <laughs> kill them, like a mole can sneak up and eat them, and rain can drown them if they stay underground. So they come up to the surface, oh. but sometimes it's a human who's like vibrating the ground with like a, like they stick a fork in the ground and hit it, and then it vibrates the ground and worms come up. Or it's a woodcock who has done a little boogie on the ground and is like so each time they do the little rocking swaying boogie moves that's causing the sand to shift and vibrate and it's coaxing the worms to move around so that they can wait find them i have a question so yeah if the mole if they think there's a mole and they think they could die so they get go up oh wait because the moles are below right because that's right don't, yeah Okay, because otherwise I'm like, aren't they just exposing themselves? But no, now no, they're exposing themselves yeah, to so, something above. Yeah, and either they are. I mean, it's a calculation because most, I, I guess it's sort of that most of the times it is a mole or rain that's going to get them. <laughs> but sometimes it is out of the frying pan and into mm, the, mm -hmm, the bird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see. So males will also so the, the that little dance even though it looks very seductive and alluring it is not a mating dance it is it seems to be purely functional and it's really cute in that video you see the little babies trying to learn that dance as well so they it does it does appear that they are learning from their their parent how to do that hunting technique and it's not a mating dance it's like the kind of dance you do when you like just want to I just want to dance with my girls like that. Exactly. That's the kind to of get dance. food like on your way to food. Yeah. I, I don't know. Have yeah, you ever yeah. been? I've definitely been so excited for food. Sometimes I do a little dance all the way to the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actively twerk while I cook. It's just like, <laughs> that's how I cook. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like to do I do like to do a little like butt shimmy while I'm cooking when I'm really excited. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so males do do a dance it's not quite as in my opinion it's not as cute and groovy as the worm hunting dance but it is pretty death defying so they will fly up about 100 yards into the air and then zigzag <laughs> down buzzing and chirping like a stunt flyer so it's more of a it's more of a stunt kind of thing mm. it's not not a lot of style and pizzazz to it. It's just like a, it's like, check out this cool stunt and then mate with me. <laughs> so the next animal I want to talk about is an animal I was reminded of when I was watching this video of the woodcock bobbing around, and that's the chameleon. Teresa, mm. have you ever seen a chameleon walking? I feel like in zoo, like I've seen them in like exhibits, but not, not in the wild, no. Well, I've never seen one in the wild either. I've only ever seen them in captivity. But you you know that like 
that kind of bobbing walk they mm-hmm. do where they very slow they'll like stick a leg out and pull it back in mm-hmm. and stick it out and pull it back in and do the hokey pokey that kind uh-huh. of thing <laughs> it's a very distinctive walk and they have that wobbly bobbly walk but for a different reason than the woodcock uh so uh, do you want me to blow your mind with some chameleon facts some quick chameleon facts (laughs) please blow my mind so so they are a clade of lizards with over 202 species they Mm. are found in the old world so not in not on the american continent Although Mm. there are feral populations in Hawaii, Florida, Texas, and California from escaped pets, which I find, (laughs) I always find that funny. We have the, here in LA, we have the green chevron parakeets or yellow chevron parakeets who are escaped parakeets Mm. from pets, and they've just formed a feral flock and live here now. Yeah, and so have the chameleons. And we can't find them. They keep disappearing right under their noses. That bird you think you have is actually a chameleon. Right, right. You pick up your cell phone, whoops, it's a chameleon. (laughs) It's a chameleon. (laughs) So they have curly prehensile tails, eyes that can move independently of each other, which is actually a whole interesting topic in itself, Mm. the way that chameleon eyes reconstruct an image in their brain. It's all very complicated because they have these two independently moving eyes, like two kind of sets of information that gets rearranged in their brains, which is very interesting, but I'm not going to talk about that too much today. So they have very long tongues that can be shot out of their mouths like a harpoon, and many (laughs) species can change their color. So a little bit about their color changing, because I think this is one of the biggest things that is misunderstood about chameleons is they can't change their color to anything they want at all. Like if you put a chameleon on like a checkerboard or on a red background, they don't just change their color to whatever background they're on to exactly match Mm -hmm. it. I think there was a viral video that was like a sunglasses ad that showed them like putting a chameleon next to their sunglasses (laughs) and it kept changing color. And it was very, it was a cool video, but a lot of people thought it was real. And unfortunately, (laughs) no. But they do change their color to engage in crypsis, so they can kind of, it it depends on their environment, but they can kind of shift from maybe uh, browns or to greens uh, Mm. to fit in better with what they're trying to hide amongst. So there is a little bit of that. They can't perfectly match any background, but uh, the normal backgrounds that they tend to be in, they can engage in some amount of changing their uh, skin color to hide. So it's like a Snapchat filter where you can kind of, you can still tell as the person, but they've like redone their, like now they have a hot dog for a hat or something. Exactly. I, man, Snapchat filters really mess me up. There's the, the baby one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that really real scares ones. me. That's really creepy. And there's like, what I don't get though with Snapchat filters is every single one kind of gives, like not just the baby filter, but every single one sort of seems to want to make my face rounder. Like they've decided <laughs> I look better this way. So it's like, oh, here's a here's a Snapchat filter that is you wearing glasses, but also now your cheeks are rounder and your skin has no pores. And it's like, well, I didn't want that. I think I it's because wanted- it's for like young people, more more like, like teens use it. And I think maybe like rounder faces are like more youthful. Maybe they're trying to make you look more maybe, like a yeah. baby, you know? It's yeah. Like, they're trying to make everyone look like a baby. I don't know. Stop turning us into baby Snapchat. <laughs> Stop it. 
Do you think chameleons change um, not just to blend in, but to look hotter? Like, do you think they're they ever like, absolutely want do. to look like this hot chameleon, so I'll just change my colors? <laughs> Actually, Teresa, that is the main reason they change color. Oh, okay. Truly. So mostly color change is social. It's a way to mm. communicate in mating or being territorial. So different species have different ways of communication. So I, I can't give like a this is a very generalized thing, but typically brighter colors signal aggression and mm. darker colors signal submission. And they also will turn to brighter colors when engaged in mating to try to impress their mate. Mm. They're able to change their skin color by compressing or expanding these lattices of guanine crystals in their skin which changes the way that light is re is reflected mm. or absorbed. So they're not actually wow. changing the pigments in their skin. They're changing like this crystalline structure in their skin that changes its shape to allow light to pass, reflect differently. And then that changes their mm. skin color. So it's, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, it is, it is funny that you would, you'd bring up snapchat because it is it is mostly social signaling it's it, crypsis mm -hmm. is something they do but that's like the most vibrant fantastic colors seem to be social in nature interesting yeah they also have ballistic tongues which uh, you know I, I think is a compliment maybe but they <laughs> can be up to two times their body length and their tongues are sticky can cling to prey like one did you play with those like sticky hands oh yeah and then you stick them on the wall and they get dusty yeah i think <laughs> once i'm trying to i think like once a bunch of us in one of my classes got like sticky hands and my teacher it drove my teacher absolutely crazy and she just like <laughs> went around like confiscating sticky hands because it was just like it, it was like a total sticky hands mutually assured sticky hand destruction going on in that class <laughs> They are impossible though. Like you, you use them once, and then they are immediately covered in yeah. every Disgusting. every particle of dust, every hair, everything. It's like it almost seems like it it sucks the hairs like out of its <laughs> environment. That's like a pre-coronavirus. I feel like like post-coronavirus, everything through that lens is like, oh no, this shouldn't be made. We shouldn't have this spreading germs <laughs> around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like. Like that's it's that's disgusting. It's a disgusting disease vector, and it's in the shape of one of the most frightening things in the world: a human hand, <laughs> no gloves. So their tongues are sticky, and it is actually really interesting how their tongues work to catch prey. So they can catch prey within 0 0.07 seconds mm. and reach up to 41 g force of acceleration. So wow. for comparison, Apollo 13 upon re-entry re <laughs> reached a G-force of seven. So that's 41 G-force that wow. this tongue gets up to. Damn, that's like a, that's a, that, they, that should be in their Tinder bio, just like. Right, exactly. <laughs> up to 14, 41 G-forces. <laughs> hey baby, I've got 41 G-forces on this tongue. I'll give you a sample. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> So a rocket sled is more akin to how fast that chameleon tongue accelerates. Again, I think like describing your tongue as a rocket sled is a great way to flirt. So <laughs> the tongue is shot out with 
a lot of force because, so first of all, the tongue is highly lubricated and it squeezes these sphincter-like muscles near the base of the tongue around a hard hyoid bone. So the hyoid bone is this like bony structure at the base of the tongue. So it's kind of like if you squeeze a bar of soap and it pops out of your hand, Mm. but imagine that your hand is the tongue and the bar of soap is like attached to the wall and then you squeeze the bar of soap and then your hand flies out. Okay, maybe that's not. (laughs) (laughs) I was following sort of and then I got a little Mm -hmm, lost. mm -hmm. Well, so the tongue, basically the tongue is this slippery thing that wraps around the hyoid bone. It squeezes really hard and then it just like shoots out from Mm, from it like yeah exactly so sort of like basically the mechanics of a bar of soap slipping out of your hand except for but it comes back yeah exactly it's like it comes back and it's also it's as if the bar of soap is squeezing your hand and then flying out (laughs) with a sphincter Mm. does that make sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) so now that i have blasted your mind with chameleon facts (laughs) Uh, the whole that whole bobbing walk is actually to try to camouflage. So mm. it is a form of crepsis where they're sort of trying to, I guess, cosplay as a leaf or a branch. <laughs> they're kind of it's it's a, supposed to make them feel like seem like part of the tree, part of the environment. Mm. It's also by moving slowly and jerkily, it kind of disrupts the visual cues of like when you when you're a predator and you're looking for something Mm. that's like moving you're like okay this thing is moving like an animal but if you've got just this kind of swaying thing that's like slowly inching forward (laughs) by swaying it's kind of not doesn't seem like a typical prey item a typical alive animal wow yeah that's interesting yeah, they're, so they're like, it's like when you're like, when you put on sunglasses and you're like, now you can't see me. The chameleon's like, I'm moving so slow. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that was a technique I had when I was a kid is just like really slow, slow movements. Like if I wasn't supposed to go somewhere or wasn't supposed to pick something up, if I just moved really slowly, then... Like, it's like, okay, like moving this amount uh, is fine. Moving this amount is fine. And then that Uh times 100 is probably fine. Especially Uh when it came, that was mostly to annoy my brother, I think, 90%. (laughs) Yeah, it's like if you eat eat a cookie over, like you're not supposed to eat it, but you just eat a little bit over like hours, then it's like, yeah. "Ah." That's really that's it? my technique as an adult is to br- like if I <laughs> if I want to have a cookie and I feel guilty about it I will break the cookie in half and then break the half cookie that's left into a half again and just like mm-hmm. keep basically breaking it into a half and having half of it and then it's like what I'm only having half a cookie and then yeah. I've done that you know basically <laughs> infinity times until I have like a tiny molecule of cookie left. And if I split that in <laughs> half, it creates a nuclear explosion, which isn't good, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now the, the last dancer I'm going to talk about in this section mm-hmm. is the dung beetle. 
So, do you know much about dung beetles, Teresa? Do you, you, I don't know if you run in any dung beetle circles. No, I think I just have a very cursory knowledge, a layman's knowledge of the dung beetle. Yeah, it's a, it's basically a beetle that eats dung. I was kind of going, it could be dung that eats beetle or beetle that eats dung. So, thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, typically (sighs) dung doesn't eat anything. Oh, okay. Well, my bad. That's why you're the host. (laughs) (laughs) so the dung beetle will you know how like some dung beetles have a ball of poop that they push around Mm -hmm. like in sort of a a sisyphus kind (laughs) of task where they're always pushing a big ball of dung dung beetles will sometimes get up on their ball of dung and do what (laughs) looks like a little dance where they kind of spin around on this ball of poop which is kind of, it's sort of like like a little circus poodle like dun 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 dun, dun, dun. <laughs> just dancing on that dancing on that poop uh so this is actually a really interesting thing and researchers noticed them doing this and it was this big mystery so but first to explain why they do this little poop ball dance first let me explain what dung beetles are So dung beetles are a bunch of species of scarab beetles who feed on dung. And many species, like I mentioned before, they will roll up the dung into a ball and then they roll massive amounts of crap back to their dens and that is to nourish their larvae. So they're basically building up a big nest full of poop for their babies. Aw. Cute, right? You find that cute, right? Yeah, poop babies. Who doesn't like Poop. poop? (laughs) <laughs> exactly it's like sort of the opposite of parenting with humans like we do our best to get as much poop away from the baby yeah, 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 as yeah, possible yeah, yeah. as quickly as possible <laughs> and dung beetles are trying to get poop on the baby you know different strokes different folks so <laughs> is it to cover because i've also heard like dogs will do that where they puppies like roll around and poop to cover their smell is it is it a protective thing or they just like poop no it's actually they just love to eat it it's got a lot of nutrition in it still Mm. for the beetles to eat the poo often has a lot of good stuff still in a lot of good nutrients still Mm, in there i see so they in fact the reason they pull it away quickly from like the dung heap is dung is a fiercely competitive environment for insects who are wanting to eat that dung so a lot of flies a lot of other Mm. beetles a lot of other insects are all crowded around it's like it's like going to a grocery store i don't know when people are (laughs) freaking out or panicking just (laughs) oh god dung is a toilet paper yeah exactly but trying to get yeah again beetles kind of the the flip side of the coin to humans where we're all fiercely trying to get toilet paper and beetles are just fiercely trying to get poop you know Cutting out the middleman, really. Mm, yeah, maybe we should be, um, we should work out some sort of treaty with them. Maybe instead of toilet paper, we yeah. just all have beetles in our bathrooms. I don't know. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, hey, look, we're, we desperately need toilet paper. You desperately need poop. It seems like the logical thing mm-hmm, is you mm-hmm. get in there and, you know, yeah. look, I'm not going to go into who detail. Need, who needs a bidet? We just get a beetle. Right. Get it's a butt a, beetle. It's a bug day. Yeah, exactly. Just a <laughs> dung, dung be- get a dung beetle in there. Get a pet dung beetle. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> this podcast has taken an interesting turn. Let's call but it the in- sharks. But innovative. No. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get the patent pending, patent pending. <sighs> so typically the dung beetles that will roll balls of poop back to their den will stand up on their front legs. They will prop their hind legs on the dung ball and roll it with those back legs towards their den. And it's kind of incredible how dung beetles are able to easily navigate despite being backwards and having their vision mostly blocked by this big ball of dung. But they like to roll it in a straight line to get back to their den as quickly as possible because, again, dung is a hot commodity. And it's also really hot (laughs) typically where they live. There are a lot of species in South Africa and it, you know, it, it gets extremely hot and they're just scrabbling around on the hot ground. So they like to get it as to their den as quickly and efficiently as possible. And interestingly, if the dung beetle is interrupted and meets some kind of obstacle, it is able to easily reorient and navigate back to its den. Like if you spin a dung beetle Mm. back around, it can immediately re-triangulate its path. It will get up on its dung ball, though, and do this little circus dog dance where it's just kind of like deep, 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 deep. And then it goes along its merry way in the right direction. So... Researchers were interested in why they were doing this. So they found that when it gets up on the ball, it is actually trying to get a clear view of the sun. So it uses Mm. the sun to navigate in the direction it needs to go. And these researchers changed the appearance of where the sun was coming from with mirrors and successfully confused dung beetles into moving into the wrong direction. I know, it's kind of mean, right? <laughs> and then when the sun sets, actually the dung beetles can see polarized light that humans can't really see in the sky to also help them navigate. So they're always mm. looking to the sky for navigation, getting that little, what's that little thing called? You know, is it a sea camp? compass thing? Oh. Well, the, the, oh, a sextant, a sextant, you know, like uh, sailors oh, yes. use. It's that uh-huh. like weird triangle thing, but it's a ball of poop instead. <laughs> Very smart, resourceful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Here's a cute anecdote about that dung beetle study. So Professor Mark Burns' dung beetle research team wanted to see why dung beetles will get up on their dung ball and wipe their little faces. And they used (laughs) these thermal cameras to see that they seem to be trying to cool their little feetsies because they get really hot in the sand. So they gave the beetles tiny booties to see how they'd react. And the beetles didn't need to like get up on the ball and cool their feet as much. Like they were able to (laughs) keep going for longer. But it's just they made little tiny booties for little (laughs) dung beetles. And the dung beetles loved them. That's so cute. I know. It's adorable. It makes me feel like, I mean, obviously you don't want to interfere with nature. You know, it's not the way. But part of me just now wants to make little tiny mini booties <laughs> for as many insects as I want. Because look, insects, they don't got shoes. Yeah, they don't got... But some of them got sticky feet, like spiders. That's true. They do got hairy, sticky feet. But yeah, I mean, little booties. Can you... Like, it would make them cuter too. Just little little <laughs> booties. Cute yeah, booties. I would be less scared of a spider of it. Well, I don't know. If it had shoes on, more scary or less scary? I'm not sure. I think it depends on the type of shoe, right? Like if it was high heels, I'd be intimidated. Mm. Yeah, that, that would, would be, be intimidating. intimidating. Eight high I'll heels. Cl- yeah. Yeah. Clacking around. But if it's like, I don't know, eight 
clown like shoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, kids. Kids are very non-threatening shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Reebok or like a mm-hmm. Croc, just like a real dad shoe. I just be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's probably a dad yeah, a spider. Bunch of, a bunch of like sandals with socks on. Then it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I, Birkenstocks. I don't need to be <laughs> afraid of a spider with Birkenstocks on. <laughs> So now that you've heard of a couple of groovy dancing animals, are you ready to creature size? All you need is to dance around on some worm-filled sand and to balance on a giant ball of dung. If you don't feel like doing that, you can at least put some of your favorite music on and do some dancing. Dancing is good cardio, is good for balance and posture, and offers some additional benefits over other types of exercise. Dance gets you moving in different directions, working out different muscle groups and engaging you cognitively. A study found that hip motion and spine flexibility was improved by a dancing exercise program. Another study found that dance helps increase bone density, keeping your bones strong and healthy. And heck, another dance study found that it can help improve body image and quality of life. So get out on the dance floor, or well, your living room floor, put on some dank beats and twerk your way to health. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast, How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Humans can sometimes do a bit of parkour, jumping off cars and walls and so on, but animals do parkour every day and not just for the Instagram. Sometimes they do it to evade predators, sometimes it's to catch a meal, 
Sometimes if you're a cat, it's because you've seen a ghost that nobody else can see but you. And sometimes you've got to do a full body workout just to go to the bathroom. Do you do, you do any six stunts, Teresa? <laughs> do I? Well, you know, I do six stunts of the brain. Um, you know, I'm, 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 always, I see. I'm always just like doing cool backflips with my words you know <laughs> maybe i'm doing some book stunts yo you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're doing bmx stunts i'm doing book stunts <laughs> with reading and learning mm-hmm. yeah growing my brain it's pre- mm-hmm. pretty sick uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow well that's yeah i'm sure we're impressing a lot of people with our sick brain stunts but speaking of which <laughs> why don't we learn about some animal animal stunts and the first one is i mean i think it's a cool stunt i think it's a fun party trick it's about bats urinating though just wanted to warn you (laughs) okay okay go on so teresa how do you think bats go to the bathroom well i have to say i've never thought about it until this very moment But I would assume they have some sort of hole down towards their legs and then their waist comes out of it. That's very broad. I have no idea. Well, that's that's true enough as it is with basically most creatures. Uh Yeah. I mean, that is true. I do remember Guano Guano from uh, Ace Ventura, you know. That's that's true. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't he eat Guano in that movie? he, He eats it and goes, Guano. Mm-hmm. And then he learns it's bat poop and he freaks out. Yeah. Yeah. Ace Ventura really was a, a seminal moment for me, like, you know, learning about animals, such as uh, <laughs> that whole scene with him. He comes out of the elephant and he's like, like the mm-hmm. elephant giving birth. I think that's the first time I ever watched anything give birth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Doesn't he also like bop a woman, a pregnant woman's belly and a baby pops out of it like a football? I feel like I remember that. I don't remember me. that, but maybe I, maybe my poor little child brain was so scarred from him coming out of the elephant uh, vagina that I blocked that out. Like I was numb the whole rest of the viewing. (laughs) Well, so yes, bats do excrete out of a hole. That's true. Cool. Great. great, Uh, great. They, they do have, you know, the same sorts of genitals like that humans do. They like a, a penis or a vagina and a rectum. I mean, think think about the physics of it, though, like because they're hanging upside down. If they mm-hmm. just like start peeing or pooping, where is mm. it going to go? Mm. It's going to get all over them. Right. Never thought about that. That's true. Yeah. So bat, bats basically just do a backflip every time they have to go to the bathroom. So flying foxes are a large species of bat found in Southeast Asia, and they flip around to pee. They hang on to the branch that they're on because they're arboreal bats typically, and then they do their business, and then they do this little shake just to make sure there's no pee-pee left. And (laughs) baby flying foxes have to learn how to do this. I I sent you a link to a video of a baby. Oh my God, that's a huge bat. It is, yeah. With it. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) It looks like a dog with wings. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they are. They are very cute little bats. They are called flying foxes because they do kind of <laughs> look like foxes. With oh, that shake. <laughs> it's all over its feet. <laughs> well, it is a baby. It's learning how to do it, but. Adults kind of get perfected down, so they just flip over, mm. do a little shake, and you know, to get the rest of the peepees out, and then like flip back around so they don't get. I, I love the shake though, because it's very, yeah. I guess, human. It just shakes its hands. I've never personally witnessed a, a man urinating, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have heard that they have to do a little shake to make you mm-hmm, know to mm-hmm. make sure the last it, droplets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get get the last drops out. It's a very relatable experience. You don't you don't wanna get the you don't wanna get pee backsplash. Yeah, yeah, you gotta make sure it's all gone before you go back up to down or it might get in your mouth. It, you don't exactly. Want that. You don't want that. I mean some some people well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so That's a different podcast. That's a different podcast, not this one. Not this learning adventure. So <laughs> Another interesting thing about bats is a little bit of anti-bird heresy, which is there is Mm. some evidence to suggest that bats may be more efficient flyers than birds. So bats may actually use less energy to fly than birds because of their flexible membrane-covered wings. The wings Mm. can be shaped in flight to reduce drag and be more efficient. So I'm not sure if they've reached like a consensus yet on whether bats are actually like the best flyers, but there I think it used to be thought that they were clumsier and they were less efficient than birds, but there is new evidence to suggest actually the opposite. And I apologize to my bird <laughs> overlord uh, about this. I'm probably gonna, you know, this may be the last you ever hear from me if the bird <laughs> lobby catches on to the harassing I'm speaking, but well, but best is subjective, right? I mean, like, who has more style? Like, exactly. Is are they having fun? I mean, that's important. That's really like who's right. having the most fun flying. That's exactly you know. who doesn't have to flip around just to pee. You know, like <laughs> talk about efficiency. Can't you? You know, um, <laughs> at least one species of bat may have also topped the swift bird's record for fastest flight. So Mm. swifts can fly at speeds of up to 70 miles per hour, but Brazilian free-tailed bats have been documented flying at speeds of up to 100 miles per hour. Wow. Maybe it's all the abdominal stuff they've had to do just like just to pee. Like, can you imagine Mm -hmm. having to do like a full body flip and crunch just to urinate? (laughs) Every time you pee. Well, but don't bats fly... They fly kind of like zigzaggy, right? So maybe that's why we humans think they fly slower because that looks yeah. all messy. But to them, that's like that's what it's supposed to be. So yeah, yeah, because they're, they're not, always they're, they're hunting they're hunting for insects mid-flight, and so they're you know often kind of going around trying to trying to find bugs. But if they they once they set their mind to it, they can just you know blow us all out of the water. <laughs> so the next spectacular stunt I want to talk to you about. Uh, only involves a little bit of bodily fluids, and it okay. is the frog hopper. Is it a frog or something no? It's else? an it's, it's an insect. Okay, L- misleading name from the. <laughs> I know who are they trying to fool? So frog hoppers are a super family of what are called true bugs or hemiptera, which includes aphids, plant hoppers, mm. leaf hoppers, and shield bugs. And they all suck juices out of plants. 
Mm. And sort of like, you know, like plant vampires. And frog hoppers are often brightly colored, small. They're kind of, what would you say? They're like shaped like a weird pistachio. Yeah, a little bit. Well, they have different colors. Some of them are more yeah. brown cockroachy looking. Some yeah, are more like yeah, they, ladybugs. Yeah, they come in all sorts of different colors, but that they're, they're typically sort of like shaped in a sort of, I guess like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like a nut. A, like a nut, yeah. And they have these hard, stout wings that lay flat along their bodies and frog hopper nymphs, so immature frog hoppers, will excrete a bunch of foul-tasting foam on a host plant. So they will cr- basically create these disgusting foam spit bubbles mm. that protects them from predators because it's this like nasty, gross foam that they've covered themselves in. Sounds like it's like quite a sacrifice. <laughs> Right. I mean, I feel like that's kind of, it's a good defense strategy in general if you want people to leave you alone. If you're just kind of mm. like covered in spit, it's one way to ward people away from you, I've found personally. <laughs> I feel like, you know, in every like like first grade class or whatever, there's like the one kid who just hates showering and their their parents just let them get away with it and then they just smell bad. Like, do you think that they are doing it because they're more evolved and it's a form of protection? Like, is it like, yeah. oh, please don't talk to me. I'm I've, I'm anxious, so I'm just going to smell bad and everyone will stay away. I mean, I, I think I think it is kind of a it, it's it's I think they're a little bit before their time, because like right now, as we have to social distance, I've been annoyed mm. by people who don't like stay six feet away from me. But if mm. I make myself smell real nasty and like cover myself in what looks like sort of a coating of drool mm. or, or so, some nasty excretion, I think they will <laughs> voluntarily stay six feet away from me. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a that's a great point. I never thought about that. I think I, I've seen like different strategies, like people wearing hula hoops around them, sort of like, uh, or like pool noodle hats uh-huh. to keep people six feet away. But have you guys considered just smelling real bad and stinky? Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm going to have to shower less and test this theory out. Exactly. Shower less, <laughs> get get a stinking, get a real, you know, like a good vintage stinking and people will stay away from you. And then... It won't, it's not just to protect you, it protects them too. It's like a pro-social thing Mm. now to be stinky. (laughs) That's good. Do your part. Smell bad. So frog hoppers aren't only excellent at being stinky, they are excellent jumpers. So some species of frog hoppers can jump up to a hundred times its own body length. Wow. Which is a lot. (laughs) So... They're only about a quarter of an inch big, so about 0.6 centimeters. So this amounts to a little over a couple of feet or 70 centimeters, but they can actually reach about 400 Gs of acceleration, meaning it could probably dodge a chameleon tongue. And, you know, (laughs) that, that, that rocket sled chameleon tongue, that it's incredible to me how animal you know like you put a human do 400 g's on a human dead just putty i think yeah immediate uh, combustion okay new Mm -hmm. tinder bio girl let me see that frog hopper how's that (laughs) my tongue is like a frog hopper (laughs) 
Got 400 yeah. G's. Covered in saliva and mm-hmm. 400 and stinky, G's. Yeah. stinky saliva. Stinky saliva. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, to me, that's very attractive. So I think it's a good strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So their hind legs are structured, structured like bowstrings. So they can contract their muscles, pulling back on a flexible rubbery protein connected to a hard cuticle And then when they release it, this shoots their legs against the ground like an arrow, which then propels the frog hopper forward. So it's like a slingshot in their legs. Mm. And it's kind of interesting because these animals that can often achieve these really high speeds will have an interesting mechanical advantage going on. Like with the chameleon tongue, it was sort of a squeeze and shoot forward technique using the slippery uh friction energy built building up against that hard bone and then here it's like basically like a bow and arrow where it's shooting its legs backwards and then it that propels the body forward it's very interesting how these animals basically cheat i feel like hearing all this is just making me very insecure about my human body um just like how very little i can do with it i can't push a ball of poop bigger than my body mass that's not in my blood it does like you can't jump like a hundred times your own body length you can't like orient yourself using the sun by standing on poop you can't shoot your tongue (laughs) out of your face like a rocket sled Uh a lot uh a lot of shortcomings we have you know but none of these animals can make podcasts so i guess we do have that that's true that's true that you know that's how i go to sleep at night yeah sure sure you can you can get 400 g's of accelerations but can you speak into a microphone for about an hour (laughs) in in a very very basic way the evolutionary uh advantage of like i mean i that was a joke but then when i think about it it's like humans can spread information quickly so podcasting is kind of like an evolution of spreading information yeah, we don't we don't win in terms of our bodies when it comes to nature, our floppy sort of flop flop around bodies. I mean, our bodies are uh, not to not to be too down on our bodies. We are actually pretty good. <laughs> One of the things we're good at is long distance jogging and stamina and we've historically used that to mm-hmm. great effect hunting. But yeah, our, our true strength is our brains and then, you know, like you said, like the the brain stunts that we mm. can do, like okay, so your your legs are a slingshot. I can just make a slingshot and uh-huh. kill you. But so the crazy that. thing is, like the animals when they have these instincts, they do it, and they tend to do it pretty straightforward. Like the, it's instinctive; they do it for survival. Like yes, we spread information, but oftentimes we spread bad information that's wrong. So are there cases of animals where they're like? I've evolved to tell, you know, all my the other honeybees where the honey is, but some of them do it wrong. They're like, no, it's here. And they're just wrong. Because I feel like yeah, that's what no, humans I, do, where we're like, this is how to save yeah. the world. And it's like, that's bad. <laughs> the world is not flat or whatever, you know? Oh, absolutely. That happens. And it's a, it can be a big problem that some animals have evolved solutions for. So like with seagulls, <laughs> seagulls will squawk at each other if there is a threat. And mm. they, but some seagulls can be a little bit paranoid, so they'll start squawking <laughs> when there's no threat. And seagulls uh. actually learn which seagulls cry wolf and will ignore <laughs> them. 
So they they will learn like the sound and the look of the seagull that is not good at detecting danger. And it's like, oh, that's just Mm. Frank. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And they'll ignore (laughs) that seagull. That's great. I love that. Our last really awesome jumper of this section actually doesn't have any gross body excretions, which I think, well, maybe they do, but... I don't know. It's a disappointment to me. I was hoping this one would have some <laughs> some, some oozing going on. But unfortunately, this is just an adorable animal that jumps really well. So clip springers are cute, small antelope found in southern and eastern Africa. It's about the size of a medium dog and about 18 to 40 pounds and a couple feet tall. So real huggable if they weren't <laughs> wild animals that don't want you to hug them at all. <laughs> Uh, do you want to just like Google an image of them? Because they are very cute. I love these names. Oh, yeah. That is Clip Springer. Cute. Yeah, it's like a little it Bambi. It is a cute name. It actually means in Afrikaans, rock jumper. Mm. So because they are very good at jumping on rocks. That's their whole thing. <laughs> is it like a, because you know how goats jump on rocks? Is it is mm-hmm. it, go, it goat-like? It is... In the way that it does it, yeah, it is goat-like. It's not directly, it's like distantly related to goats, but they're, you know, pretty distant. But yeah, Mm. it is, they have similar capabilities of a mountain goat, and they actually have these really dainty little hooves that Mm -hmm. are kind of cone-shaped, almost like, you know, ballet slippers, like the point shoes, Mm-hmm. and how they're sort of shaped like these these long cones with a really hard, flat bottom. And it walks on the tips of its little cylindrical hooves and can leap and land on very tiny little areas. So it can leap from rock to rock and scale these sheer areas. And are they're very graceful. Hmm. Another cute, cute thing about them is they're actually monogamous. And they Mm. practice the opposite of social distancing with their partners (laughs) because they apparently have to be within 16 feet or about five meters of each other at all times or they start to panic. So, Oh, wow. That sounds like codependency. Uh. Yeah, it's a little clingy, right? Like you got to you got to let each other breathe. You can't, you know, but yeah, they they, (laughs) I mean, they are uh, a a very tempting snack for a variety of predators where mm. they live. So it does make sense that they, because if they do get out of their eyesight, there is a chance one of them just gets gobbled up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it is. Oh, and also um, females tend to be larger and heavier than males. So suck mm. it, antelope patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> do the females protect the males? I do don't, I think that their whole form of self-defense is spring away as fast okay, as possible yes. and scale the mountain as quickly as they can. Mm. So I think that that's their that's their main thing. I think that the the females and the males both want to protect each other and want to stay close and kind of like be able to alert each other of danger as it's happening. So mm-hmm. you know there there is a certain amount of um, you know, love and care there, but it, it, it's basically like, oops, we got to run now up this cliff. There is a video of a, a a zoo had a couple of crip, cl- sorry, a couple of clip springers, and they mm-hmm. actually built them like this little rock climbing wall so to enrich them, mm-hmm. and they put some some tasty leaves at the top for them to get as sort of a form of enrichment. 
But one of the clip swingers, instead of like going up, they created this like really interesting route for them, a bunch of like rocks and like uh, wood steps and, and things like a really fun little path for them to climb up. And one of them just basically leaned against the this little climbing wall and reached its neck out and grabbed the leaves and didn't do any <laughs> <laughs> things they set up for them. And I found that I, I really could relate to that. It's like... It's like peeling all the stickers off a Rubik's cube and putting them uh-huh. on the right way. Like technically, I got I got the goal. Yeah, it's like I don't. It's like it's in a zoo. It doesn't need to run. It's like, well, Mm-mm. I don't need to do this. This is not like you. Me. You've taken away my freedom. I'm not. You think I still have ambition? <laughs> like you think I'm gonna do your little games and your little puzzles? No. <laughs> now it's it's time for leaf time. I'm just gonna grab it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Animals are naturally capable of some pretty incredible stunts, death-defying jumps and flips, all during the course of their normal lives. Humans are, well, we get a nice participation trophy for effort. Just because our floppy, fleshy bodies aren't the most impressive in the animal kingdom doesn't mean we can't use our innovations to achieve some pretty incredible and often stupidly dangerous stunts. In 2012, Australian Felix Baumgartner jumped out of a small capsule attached to a huge weather balloon 24 miles into the sky, almost to the edge of the stratosphere. He was the first human to reach supersonic speed without a vehicle. That's pretty cool and all, but when we return, we'll talk about a tiny animal who reaches incredible speeds not by falling, but by jumping through water, uphill, in a snowstorm. Okay, maybe I made up that last part, but it's still very impressive. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We all know fleas are great jumpers, especially those of us who consort with small, furry animals who are walking buffets for fleas. They can jump around 50 times their own body length, which is rather impressive. But fleas are, well, dirty little cheaters. They don't use their muscles, instead they use biotechnology. Inside their legs are little springs. Their legs work similarly to the frog hopper we discussed earlier. An elastic protein in its legs is used as a slingshot to push its shins against the ground, allowing it to catapult itself into the air and onto the unsuspecting furry butt of my dog Cookie. But enough about these little cheating lying parasites, let's take a look at an animal who is the world's best jumper in the good old fashioned way using muscles, grit, and determination. So, Teresa, are you are you much of a swimmer, much of a, uh, you know, diver, swimmer? Um, you know, I am a water sign, um, and I do have a lot of water in my astrology chart, but I do mm. not consider myself an excellent swimmer, though, though I do love being in water, and I love water, but yeah. probably would drown if I was being chased by a fast <laughs> swimmer. Yeah, yeah, I... I'm okay at swimming. When I was a kid, I had a really bad experience at a water park where I went down a slide and then I got stuck under a buoy and a lifeguard had to save me. And then she scolded me for not knowing how to swim. But I knew how to swim. I just got stuck under a buoy (sighs) and it really embarrassed me. And I've had sort of a bad, I don't know, I guess a bad relationship with swimming ever since then. But... You know, so well, when you I know, s- it sounds like it was that lifeguard's mishandling. I feel like you know, I know. she uh, she should have. You were a child. I know. I feel like you shouldn't. You. I know it was not great. Like I look, I appreciate her saving my life. Let me get that. Let me get that out there first. Not no complaints from me. You know, <laughs> saving me. But it is your job. It is in the title of the job. You know, would it hurt to maybe guard? Yeah, and I was only like six years old, so a you reluctant know. lifeguard. I mean, she should be grateful she got to save your life. I know, you doing I'm, her employ- a favor. I'm employing her, I'm giving yeah. her work to do by not being good at doing water park <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it's a uh, I'm always kind of jealous, I think, of sea creatures with the ease that they glide through the water. So I want to channel that jealousy into a learning journey. Wee! Yay. If you can't do, teach. (sighs) So I want to talk about some of the best jumpers in the water and maybe the best jumpers in the entire world. So these are called (laughs) copepods. Copepods are small crustaceans that are about the size of a flea and they look like freaky little spaceships with antenna and hair. <laughs> I mm-hmm. shared a, uh, an image with you here. Mm-hmm. They're they're interesting looking, right? Yeah, this is they almost like kind of like weird-looking butterflies. Spaceships maybe <laughs> cat aliens. Toys? Cat toys. Yeah, they kind of look like cat toys, weird fishing lures. 
um, some kind of like weird, weird art, bad, weird, bad art. So not only are they as small as a flea, many of them are actually parasites feeding mm. on host fish. Uh, and they are actually better jumpers than fleas. And fleas are very good jumpers. So copepods within milliseconds can accelerate to a thousand times their own body length. That wow. would be like the speed of a six foot tall person jumping 6,000 feet, <sighs> like six Eiffel Towers stacked on top of each other. So Dang. they need, yeah, they need that amount of force to be able to move quickly through the water. So when they jump like this, they don't actually move a distance of 6,000 times their body size. It's just <laughs> that's the speed at which they are moving. So because the water slows them down or why aren't they moving? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's because the water slows them down significantly. Mm. So they only move a few millimeters, maybe several times their own size, but at a ridiculous amount of speed. And they can do this over and over to either catch prey or dodge predators. Whoa, it's like a little spermy or fish. It looks like a fish with a huge poop coming out <laughs> of its butt. A huge poopy tail. <laughs> yeah, with a bunch of legs and a poop tail. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's swimming very efficiently. That's that's the interesting. Like the path. I think it's I think it's slowed down. But it's like it looks like it's quite a bit of effort the way it's like Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's it's not like just like boop boop boop. This is a video of a copepod like jumping out of the path of a fish. Okay. I see it. Yeah, super fast. Oh, it does go very far. Yeah, it goes really far for its body size, but it, and it goes super fast. Like I think that video is slowed down. Mm. So, and when you're looking at them, you were noticing how they're how weird it is that they swim where like their legs seem to all be moving. Um, so they actually throw back their five pairs of tiny legs in sequence like a rowing team. And that actually really helps. It's like it is similar to how rowing teams work like because you have all of those oars all pushing back in sequence, mm -hmm. you're propelling the boat forward as quickly as you can. And they actually have the strongest leg muscles proportionate to their size in the animal kingdom, being able mm. to produce 10 times the force of any other animal studied. So they never skip leg day. Every day is wow. leg day. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting is like the other, a couple of other examples we've talked about with like the, with the frog hopper and with the chameleon tongue, they use mechanical advantage to get that speed up, like either mm -hmm. a bow and an arrow kind of mechanism or that like soap in your, in your hand mechanism. But they actually use their legs similar to a human jump or a kangaroo jump mm. um, where they just use the strength of their leg muscles, which is really impressive. Like if you compare them to a grasshopper where they, they actually have a spring mechanism in their leg and that allows them to jump so quickly, it's these little copepods are just using the sheer force of their swole legs <laughs> to be able to jump through the water um, and they have that torpedo-like shape, which also helps them cut through the water, which mm -hmm. is really important because they're so tiny. 
the water, the the viscousness of the water, like the thickness of the mm -hmm. water is provides a lot of resistance to them. Because they're so small, water is really thick, kind of like traveling through a ball pit or something. Mm. So if they go slowly, the water surrounding them can actually push away their prey. And by leaping so forcefully, they can sneak up, attack their prey, and cut through the water mm. tension. It's always funny to me when it's like, what is this? What animal has the strongest legs in the animal kingdom? And you're thinking of like some crazy rhinoceros with like huge muscly legs. And it's just this tiny, weird, like flea creature. It's almost like teleporting. It moves so fast to not dis yeah. displace the water around it. Mm -hmm. I wonder, it's like, you know, cats when they move slowly. Have you ever seen like, when cats, like you turn around and it's frozen and then you turn it back around and it's yeah. further, but it's still frozen and they just yeah. keep moving. Yeah. And they and get closer and closer. You're like, yeah. you hide behind a wall and then you like look over the cats like it's close there and then you like look away but they and freeze. you look back in the, yeah. And, and they you freeze. think that they're moving, but maybe they're teleporting like these cobra pods. Right. I think cat, well, you know, I think <laughs> cats actually do slip into a fourth dimension, but that's kind of its own whole own topic. <laughs> <laughs> So next, I want to talk about spinner dolphins. So spinner dolphins are these amazing dolphins that can perform these impressive aerial stunts. So it looks basically like a dolphin. It's a little small. It's kind of a small dolphin with a long snout, and they are found mm -hmm. in offshore tropical waters. And as is common in most dolphins, they like to jump out of the water, but <laughs> they put a spin on it, literally. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually spin and rotate as they jump out of the water. So I are you checking out that video? It's yeah. very cool. I feel like I've seen, are they around like Kauai? I, I feel like I saw these dolphins when... I think they're all over the There's world everywhere. in, yeah, they, they're found all over the world in offshore mm -hmm. tropical waters. So you think you may have seen these? Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love watching dolphins jump out of the water. I was on a whale watching boat trip out to the Channel Islands and just kind of mm. circled them. And there were these huge pods of, I think, bottlenose dolphins, and they were just it was incredible because they, they were these massive like feeding frenzies and it's always really fun to watch them. But I didn't get to see any spinner dolphins, which is too <laughs> bad. But they will travel hundreds of miles a day and they will often leap and spin outside of the water as if they're showboating. It really looks like they are just showing off how incredibly cool and good at stunts they are. Yeah, they're just dolphins are very interesting because they're so cute but so vicious. <laughs> well, they're they're vicious to prey items and sometimes each other. They've got some weird. I feel like I hear a lot of weird predatorial stuff about dolphins. They do like to play with their food, but so do cats. So you know, mm -hmm. I think it's a cats. double standard. We're like, oh, yeah. look at the cat. It's so cute. It's like shredding a yarn ball. Like, and the cat is imagining the yarn ball is just like <laughs> the guts, the guts strewn around of a mouse. And but then right. a dolphin plays with its food and like tortures a seal. And we're like, oh, that terrible dolphin. But you know, I don't know. I, I think yeah, we we are pretty fucked up too as humans because like we, chicken nuggets. If you think about it, where 
taking chicken and making it into the shape of um, extinct dinosaurs. And that's yeah. just a fun thing we do for kids. And yeah. And that's kind of messed up. Who's the real monster? A, a dolphin innocently <laughs> torturing a seal or us turning chicken into paste that we form into the shapes of fun things? You know, <laughs> probably both actually. But anyways, <laughs> so... Uh, they can often spin multiple rotations, like over 360 degrees. It is really spectacular. You guys have to watch a video of these guys. I'll, I'll include a link to a video. I actually saw one of the videos I saw is that like show Spy in the Wild where they, they had like a robot fish swim around to capture the dolphins movements. But I think the dolphins are happy enough to like show off their cool moves to like a human. (laughs) I don't think you need the subterfuge of a robot fish. (laughs) So they have these incredibly strong abdominal muscles. So they can rapidly beat their tails, launch themselves out of the water and spin around. And scientists aren't really sure why they do this. Like most dolphin jumping, the exact reason behind these spins isn't really well known to researchers, but it's suspected that it has something to do with maybe removing parasites, <laughs> maybe communication, or maybe just like for fun. I'm kinda, I am kind of think they, they're showing off. What a broad range of different theories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're show-offs personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Our last water stunt I want to talk about are some Jesus spiders. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, but would you hate a spider who's actually Jesus, though? Could you? Uh, Probably, because then it could come back to life. Yeah. Well, I'm this Jesus spider is just going to turn the other chelicerae, the which is you know spider. Bang thingies on its face. Anyways, so <laughs> Jesus spiders, um, well, actually, nobody calls them that but me. These are actually called fishing spiders, and they can walk on water. And, mm. you know, I oh. think, I, for one, welcome the coming of Spider Christ, but, you know, you you can be blasphemous if you choose, Teresa. So It's so big. I'm watching the <laughs> video, and it's so big. <laughs> so fishing spiders are a genus of large semi-aquatic spiders Teresa's freaking out how's it going <laughs> i'm watching the spider video it's so ah, nasty okay cool <laughs> <laughs> so some species grow up to three inches in diameter including the legs and typically these large ones are the ladies because the ladies are larger than the males They are lightweight and covered in hydrophobic hairs, so it makes skittering across the surface of water easy peasy. So they will wait near the edge of a body of fresh water and then splay their legs on the surface of the water, kind of feeling for vibrations like they would with a web. They're just like, Mm. basically their legs are sonar and they're waiting to sense movement. And once they sense movement, they will dash out onto the surface of the water towards their prey, which could be like an insect, like an aquatic insect larva. It could be a small fish. They're actually known to be able to catch small fish. And they 
probably trick their prey into thinking that they're Jesus because they can walk on water, but then they just eat them. So they can even dive under the water. And because their hairs are so hydrophobic, meaning they repel water, they are actually buoyant. So they have to claw their way under the water by holding onto a plant and mm. air will cling to their hydrophobic fuzz, which gives them like this silvery, like silver surfer, silver sheen, and they will breathe through that trapped air. And then when they want to surface, they just pop out of the water like a cork, uh, emerging dry because of their hydrophobic hairs. This sound, we should get rid of them. I feel like they, sh <laughs> the they sound like they have too much power. It sounds it sounds like you don't accept our Lord and Savior Jesus Spider. <laughs> this is you know? Do you remember yeah. that? Do you remember that sand like the the I think it was like called Zand like with a Z Zand where you could put it underwater but it had like a waxy coating so you would make these designs underwater and then pull the sand out and it was dry. No, <laughs> I don't think I had that. Were you even alive in the nineties, Teresa? <laughs> I remember the sticky hands. Uh, I don't remember the Zan. I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't get a lot of trend fad. The fad toys. <laughs> I feel like those were not allowed. You you weren't allowed to have sand. I had like stuffed animals and Monopoly. Ah, but you were deprived sand as a toy. That's yeah. Very, didn't I'm get sorry. a lot of. I just had the natural sand from the beach. I see. I see. No, I had the fancy sand you could put underwater mm. and pull out and it was like dry and it was really cool. But then if you like played with it too much, it lost that like coating that made it dry and then it would just get wet and then it was like <laughs> expensive normal sand. But mm. basically the sand is like the spider. <laughs> gotcha. The point I see. of that. And they're actually pretty interesting because they can test the surface of the water with their legs, like I mentioned before, and they're so sensitive, they can actually tell the difference between what is causing the vibration. So they'll ignore things like falling leaves, and they also know to flee the movement of large fish like a trout that's going to eat them. And if it's, but if it's got that nice, perfect vibration, like a little insect or a little fish, they know to get on over there and eat them up. <sighs> And some of them have even created drag lines made out of silk so they don't overshoot their prey, which I, I mm. find kind of cute, actually, because they're like, you know, just kind of like bungee jumping, but across cute. the water. It sounds demonic. It sounds like they <laughs> are too smart for you know, You know, if, Je if Jesus came back, and I I'm not a religious person, but if Jesus came <sighs> back and was a giant spider... You know, nobody would, nobody would, uh, no, we, mm -hmm. we would just ignore the second coming of Jesus because it's a gi <sighs> giant spider and we're so superficial that we're like, you're a giant hairy spider. You, you could, you're, you must be bad. And he's like <laughs> healing people, walking on water, making bread and wine and fish. Like, look, this, this, this spider literally fishes and teaches teaches you how to mm. fish by walking on water very christ-like i think okay I, yeah i guess i could see that connection yeah yeah see what i mean so yeah yeah yeah, then, yeah okay but the the part where it eats that frog that 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 freaks me out a little bit well you know even 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 the messiah isn't perfect the spider messiah mm. you know 
And wh- mm-hmm. how, maybe mm-hmm. that frog is evil. You don't know. That's true. That's very possible. See that little tiny, little like snidely whiplash mustache on that frog? I think that's an evil frog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Teresa, that is it for the scary spiders and all the other things. Um, did, what, did you learn anything fun today? I did. I, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned to sleep with one eye open when I'm around a body of water. Okay. Uh, just right. Those spiders are around. Uh, but no, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about um, tongues and, and uh, bats and all the other things. See, learned a lot about tongues. That's, this, <laughs> is, this is the true value of this podcast. <laughs> well, you got anything to plug, Teresa? Oh, sure. I have a podcast. Uh, it's called You Can Tell Me Anything. Um, it's, it's not apparently not talk. Apparently not spiders, <laughs> though. Can't tell you about Christ spiders. Well, you know, the second part of it is I will still judge you is, is the second okay. type, but that was too That's long. Fair. No, um, no, it's comedians confessing something they want to get off their chest. Um, usually mm-hmm. a secret, something. It's not always heavy. Sometimes it's light and dumb. But, yeah. you know, and then we get into it. It's fun. That's really cool. Yeah, I, lo- I love your podcast. Thanks. Oh, yeah, and I guess you can follow me, too, just personally. At yeah. Lar- Larissa T. It's like Teresa Lee, but the first letters are switched. Yes. You, you, you pull a little switcheroo on, on yeah, the Twitter yeah, yeah, handle. Yeah. Well, you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. <laughs> and if you're interested in my Katie thoughts, I'm at Katie Golden on Twitter. And I'm also at Pro Bird Rights, where I <laughs> am definitely a human being and not a flock of birds in a lady suit. <laughs> oh, also, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you feel like doing it, if you rate, review, download, subscribe, those really help me out. Like, first of all, my self-esteem. Also, like, algorithms. It tells the robots in charge of podcasting that we're doing a good job and you like it. And that really helps me out. And it, it also just makes me feel good. It pumps up my ego. It, <laughs> it's like, man, maybe I do have a rocket sled tongue when it comes to podcasting. So thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Feature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app. Well, all right, I put a, I put a weird twang on that. The iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or where, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.